Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This month and every month throughout the year, discover Corona Hard Seltzer, the only hard seltzer made with pure beach vibes. With a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango, cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, and 90 calories and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. And welcome in to another quarantine edition of Purple Daily. That's right. Declan Goff tested positive for covid and now Judd and I are awaiting our results. And so we are all in the same boat as Cam Dantzler, everybody. Close contacts and COVID tests. And uh, we're doing our show from home. Fewer bells and whistles. And so we're not going to have as many obnoxious football sounders and things like that. But we will dive into Purple Positivity Thursday. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, and Declan Goff. And Purple Positivity Thursday is powered by our friends at Corona Hard Seltzer spiked sparkling water and four natural fruit flavors that uh, we lean on during this Vikings season, especially as bad as it is. So um, let's actually just per the note that's on the screen there, let's actually start there. Let's start with some injury news and then we'll get to purple positivity Thursday. So gentlemen, two big notes from the Vikings injury report yesterday. Number one, Dalvin cook back at practice. Back at practice after missing a game and getting a bye week with the hamstring, he was limited, but uh, the word from Dalvin and from Mike Zimmer is that he's going to try and come back and play. So your thoughts on Dalvin Cook maybe playing against the Packers this weekend, Judd? Why? This is why. Give him another week. It's a groin, right? Groins get uh, pulled, and then it takes some time for them to get right. And and if look, if you're in the midst of a – a division race i completely well i don't completely i understand that okay but are we really talking about that the vikings going into green bay at one and five are gonna say we have to save our season let's play and hold on i'll say this slowly for for the people at tco performance center let's play our injury prone star running back in what is a lost season there's no reason to try and save it um, to try and get a second win in what week eight is that? I believe it's going to be week eight. I hate this thought. Like this is a, and it's not tanking. It's just being smart. Dalvin Cook. Either there's two things here, Phil. 
if Dalvin Cook is healthy, I believe that he has to have and should have a tremendous workload per game because he's that good, all right? But if he's not, and he often is not, then you have to be as cautious as possible. Why tempt the coaching staff to basically say, well, Dalvin Cook started this game. Look at how he looked. Okay, and here's Kerry 23, all right? Makes no sense. I hate this idea. I'm to the point now in this season where I'm going to protect the player. Dalvin Cook should not play in this game. No. Well, yeah, I don't really here here's the problem, all right? So we're looking at this through the through the prism of they should lose as many games as possible because that will give them the best chance to win big beyond 2020, right? And Dalvin Cook is such a good player, he doesn't help you lose the games that you're supposed to lose. And I don't know what the injury risk is, but it would seem with hamstrings that like any sort of attempt to come back a week earlier than you should is going to lead to just like more time off anyways. So it seems like an unnecessary risk just for him. Um, It also seems to me, this is where I'm coming from, an unnecessary risk to play one of your best players in a must tank game against the Green Bay Packers. I still think the Packers with the decimated Vikings defense are going to put up as many points as they want to, whether Dalvin Cook plays or not is not going to make a difference. But uh, but you got to tank this one, boys. You got to lose this game. All right, it's very crucial. What's the reason to play him? Well, the reason to play him from our perspective is zero. The reason to play him from Mike Zimmer's perspective is win games to save your job, and that's the conflict here. You almost have to take the keys out of his hand. And your offense goes through him. I mean, they they saw how horrible they were without him. And and I know it fits the bill of of being bad, but just from a there's no way Mike Zimmer and the coaching staff can go and being like, well. Uh, we're not going to play Dalvin because we're not going to lose this game. Like, if, if he's healthy and ready to go, he, he's he's going to play him. And that's why the, the one person who should have zero say in this is Mike himself. If I if I run the Vikings, he's not playing. This is a groin. Okay, odds are very good. What did I say? Gonna, it is a groin. Yeah, yeah, but but odds are good that you're going to put him out there. This guy gets hurt a lot. Like he's not an Iron Man. We know that. Um. So so I am the coaching staff. Look. The last people on earth that, that if I run the Vikings that I'm going to give a big say to right now on trades or injured players is the coaching staff. Maybe the I'm best te- thing you can do. Can you I'm just tell them what I'm doing? Can you trade Dalvin before the Packers game and just I don't want to <laughs> trade Dalvin. I just want to I just don't want to play him. I, I want to trade Riley Reef. I'd like to trade yeah. Harrison Smith. But but the point is. We're at a point now, I think, where it's very fair to say the last word that I care about is the coaching staff's word because they're obviously going to press the play guys and they're going to press not to trade guys. And you know what? Right now, given the direction of this franchise, I don't care what they think. Like what they think does not affect me. What I think does because everything, every smart move that you make is going to be one, protecting key players like Dalvin Cook, and two, looking at what's going to be best for 2021 and beyond. I tell Mike if he's playing or not. He does not tell me he's playing. Well, at some point he's going to play regardless. Like whether he mm-hmm. I I mean ultimately this is sort of a, a moot point because I think even if he even if he plays, they still lose to the Packers this weekend and then the bigger worry would be that he plays very well in some of these upcoming games against like Dallas and the Jaguars actually winnable games that you're playing at home. And uh, and that you would stumble your way into two extra wins and then derail your chances at a franchise quarterback. But the other interesting guy on the well, there's 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 two interesting guys, I guess, on the cornerback front. Holton Hill did not practice yesterday. 
And Mike Hughes, with that neck injury, did not practice yesterday. I think you can make the case that Holton Hill might be addition by subtraction if he doesn't play against Aaron Rodgers. But but Mike Hughes looks like not only is he in jeopardy for this Sunday, but with that neck injury, it's possible that this could be a long-term thing that holds him out maybe for the rest of the season. And that might be the wise move. So you're very likely looking at, and with Cam Dantzler on the COVID list, you're very likely looking at Aaron Rodgers staring across the field, no Holton Hill, no Mike Hughes, mm-hmm. no Cam Dantzler. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Jeff Gladney and random ass dudes in that <laughs> secondary for the Vikings or in the, at the cornerback spot anyways. So uh, have have fun with that if you're if you're coordinating. It's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, on, on Hughes, if we had the ability to, Sound the panic alarm right now because Mike Hughes has a vertebrae problem. Go, Dex, go. Thank you. This one worries me, boys, a lot, a lot, because this guy is a first-round pick. He's a cornerback. I think that when he is healthy and can play, I think he's not great, but I think he's very good uh, with the potential to become probably um, a very solid player for a long time. But if if you go back now, what, he tore his ACL in his rookie season, I believe. Uh, th- then he broke a vertebrae. I think it was late in the season in last year against the Bears, possibly, and didn't play in the playoffs. But the point being is, when you're talking about a neck problem that continues to be a problem last year, this year, and, and then he did something again in the Falcons game, this one really concerns me because now we're talking not about the guys – um you know, being able to play this year, we're talking about the guy's future and that gets to be a big worry. And if you, and if he can't play and that's a first round pick at cornerback, that's not one where, where, you know, it's a sixth round pick and you say, Oh, that's too bad. That's a really big deal. Yeah. I mean, for the purposes of this season, if if there's like long-term risk of him not being able to play, like that's a huge problem, obviously, but for this season, and actually, it actually would benefit Mike Zimmer, too, because it's such a built-in excuse to say, I mean, listen, like, we all saw the injuries. We, Michael Pierce opted out. Yeah. Daniel Hunter got hurt. Mike Hughes got hurt. Anthony Barr got hurt. You know, I, I'm i a defensive clay-molding magician, but I still need some clay to mold. And and so, therefore, I can stay around for another year and get my chess pieces back. And it's it's almost a feather in his cap to make a case to keep his job, but still lose games and and tank for a higher draft pick. Uh, but that brings us to all of this doom and gloom and negativity and and the Vikings one in five horrible record so far this year. Mm-hmm. We are still carving out space every single Thursday on Purple Daily for purple positivity where we must, gentlemen, we must say something nice about a really, really bad football team. And let's start with Declan. We'll make our way around the room here. Say something nice. And, it, and, I, and I'll make another rule here because this is, this is a Judge Zolgad rule. It cannot be a backhanded compliment. You can dish out a backhanded compliment if you would like to, but it doesn't take the place of an actual positive thing said about the Vikings, all right? My positive purple positivity is, and, and I'm honestly genuinely excited because it's Vikings-Packers week, and, and this is not backhanded, so don't take this as backhanded. You are sick. This, <laughs> I am sick in the head a little bit here. I, I love Vikings-Packers week, and even if the Vikings being bad – the, the the opportunity to always have the chance to beat the Green Bay Packers is always delicious to me. When the Packers are playing very well like they have all season and the Vikings have been a train wreck, 
it's been nice. It's nice to know that the Vikings could go in in the Lambeau, by the way, and possibly get a big win against the Green Bay Packers. That'd be amazing, especially with the Packers not being able to beat any good teams. If the Vikings go in there with you and me playing cornerback and Stella the dog on the defensive line sacking Aaron Rodgers, that's amazing if they wound up with the win. So my purple positivity is you're going to go into Lambeau and it's a no-lose situation. So I, I'm excited to watch and I, I hope they can actually get a big win against the Packers. What, so, you're, so you've moved off rooting for the Vikings to lose and now you're back into hoping that they beat Aaron yeah. Rodgers at Lambeau Field. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great. Judd's about to jump through the screen at you right Crazy? now. Crazy? <laughs> I mean, it is positive what you said, but are you nuts? No, I'm sick. So, so you want these quarterbacks who, are, who have no experience to like come up with a game of their lives and for it to become a trap game for the Packers and, and the Vikings. Um, this would be a terrible victory. I mean, you think about the most Vikings things ever to happen. It would be like Aaron Rodgers gets hurt in the first quarter and Jordan Love comes in and isn't ready to play, or, or, or is, he's like he's like their third string guy, right? Yeah. So who's their backup quarterback then? It's a former Badger, is that right? Or it's some oh, shocking. It's some it's some <laughs> guy who can't play, probably. But right, he's like, but, his best buddy. But like, wouldn't that that be the thing if we had like a repeat of uh, of Aaron Rodgers breaking his collarbone halfway through the first quarter and the Vikings win like nine to six, <laughs> something like that. Tim Boyle is the backup quarterback. Oh, yeah. Green Bay Packers. Timmy Boyle. Going to get in there Tim and Boyle play sling college. it around. UConn and Eastern Kentucky. <laughs> that's, that's such a – Man. But I'm Aaron's um, friend. We're, amazing. We're golfing buddies. I'm uh, really good at golf. Joe, what is, what is your positive thing to say about the Vikings? Not Declan's. Um, all right. So here's mine. Here's mine. And this is not backhanded, okay? To be very clear, this is sincere. I love I love this segment has devolved into like I'm I'm telling you it's not a backhanded not, compliment. No, no, it's but, a natural backhand. compliment. but I'm just telling you it's a very positive thing. My my positivity about the Vikings starts with the Ngakwe trade and will continue to any other trades that this team makes. The experience that your young players are going to get playing multiple games, okay? So so Ngakwe's gone. Um what DJ what one of them, I believe it's pronounced, is going to play. Yep. Odenabo is going to play more, right? Um, if Riley Reef gets tra- traded before the deadline at, at 3 p.m. next Tuesday, who's going to play left tackle? Your second-round pick, Ezra Cleveland, who needs mm-hmm. to play left tackle. Not right guard, left tackle. The Vikings cannot go wrong by making trades in the case where they will get their younger players, especially some of those 15 draft picks, where they, they will get them incredibly valuable experience playing in in games in 2020. So this is not saying, uh, yeah, I'm glad guys are going to be traded. It's saying I'm glad they're going to be traded because it's going to allow for incredibly valuable experience for guys to get in 2020, where, as the coaching staff likes to say, they can put things on tape so that they can be scouted and the coaches can work with them Going into 2021, I see this as a major, major positive to any trades for draft picks. Okay. See? okay. No, it's a ding. Ding. It's a ding. ding. Thank it's you very much. It's, it's a positivity down. ding. It's a positivity ding. Is that, that, is, that a, is that a Coors Light in the middle of the not morning? Yet. Oh. It, it is. It is a, it is a kombucha. For, for, this, oh, uh, for this COVID thanks guy. Michael Flo- thanks, Michael Floyd. <laughs> me and Cameron Dantzler. <laughs> so, so you're getting drunk during the show. Yeah. Me, me and Cameron Dantzler and Michael Floyd are just uh, sucking down some kombucha. Well, right what now. was the Great. story with that Michael Floyd thing? So he was like, obviously he was like being drug tested on a regular basis. And he had, he just like yeah. drank a case of kombucha. kombucha. Yes. <laughs> yes. And he said that he, he turned up positive for booze in his blood because 
of the fact that he had drank too much and kombucha, wasn't which Declan is doing right now. Wasn't he staying at Kyle Rudolph's house too? Yes. So so Kyle Rudolph was supplying the kombucha. Wow. All the more and, reason enabling. to trade him. Trade him. Yeah. Trade <laughs> Rudy right now because the, he supplied kombucha to an unknowing teammate. It's a bad anyway. influence on the team. Um, you know what? I, I I'll buy that one. I'll buy that one. I think. I think if you know Vikings fans, you, you got to just find a different way to watch these games and to watch the league. And as we've pointed out the last week and a half, and we're by the way next week we're going to dive into Declan Goff all twenty-two college quarterback scouting reports. And I think we're going to do that on Mackie and Judd. So if you're not already listening to the Mackie and Judd show, uh, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com, go check it out. But I, but those are the things that we really have to cling to here, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it feels weird rooting for them to win pointless games. So what are the other things that you can root for? You can root for a loss, but within the loss, learn something about Ezra Cleveland. Learn something about Irv Smith, right? Or uh, watch on Saturdays and learn something about the BYU quarterback that the Vikings may or may not draft in the second round if they get a second round draft pick. So I I, I agree, Judd. It's not a backhanded compliment. Thank you. Um, it's a new way to watch Vikings football. Is the better way to class experience. It's a it's good experience. That's all I want. Yep. What's and uh, Jeff, real quick, Jeff Gladney is going to play this weekend, right? There's no yeah. major injury Correct. concerns there. No, well, not yet. Not yet. Two days of practice. practice. Left. Yeah, so it's true. Knows? Yeah, and so like anytime Jeff Gladney can jump into the deep end against Hall of Fame quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, expedite that learning curve, baby. <laughs> Amen. Head on a swivel if you're Jeff Gladney. Um, all right, my purple positivity, it's not a shocker. It's a, it's Justin Jefferson related, but I'm just pulling up profootballreference.com here to, to verify that my take is correct, and I think I'm going to go with this. Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver under the age of 24 in the NFL right now. The other candidates, so, so, so far this season, he has 537 yards receiving, which is 10th in the NFL, mm-hmm. behind only Tyler Lockett, Allen Robinson, DJ Moore, uh, Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, Stefan Diggs, Calvin Ridley, Robbie Henderson is having a ridiculous season with Carolina and DeAndre Hopkins. The other candidates in this conversation, so under the age of 24, DK Metcalf, DJ Moore in Carolina with Teddy, CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if I would even put anyone else on the list. So a couple um, other guys, maybe uh, Clay Scott Cespool. Miller, uh, Clay Cesspool, <laughs> Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool, wrong one. Hey, Cesspool. Cesspool. Clay Cesspool is his dirty He's looking cousin. at myself in the mirror right now. I'm like, look at this Cesspool on the left of the screen. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think of him more as like a Swiss Army knife weapon, so he's probably in the mix. But how hot of a take is it when you hear those other names? I mean, DK Metcalf is uh, is a beast, but... I think I take Justin Jefferson over all those other guys, mm. just watching the way he's played in the first two months. That's a tough one, but yeah, I think it's close, right? If it's incredibly close, um, given Justin Jefferson's um, uh, potential struggles of the teammates around him. So not him, right? Like if you consider what he's dealing with for teammates, I think you might be right. Put, put him with Wilson, put him with Brady. Put him with um, a top QB. I, I mean, the incredible thing to me about Justin is that he, he's accumulated those stats. And look at his first two games. He yes. basically was not acknowledged. I mean, if if he was used, I think if he was used in a, how can I say this as nicely as possible, in a wise manner consistently, his stats would be even better. So, yeah, I don't disagree. 
I yeah, I mean, he, he's only been heavily targeted like three games so yeah. far this season, right? Yeah. And and I, I just feel like like the Vikings' offense is fine. It's not, you know, it's it, when when you have all the when you have Dalvin Cook and you have all the pieces operating and the offensive line isn't a train wreck. Like they're they're going to put up thirty points more often than not. But it also just feels like, and Stefan Diggs clearly had a problem with this too. It feels like for for the wide receivers to really thrive like everything has to just be pristine and the offensive line has to be perfect and and the and the running game has to get going so you can really leverage play action which is where Kirk's real strength is and if any one of those things goes wrong then mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson only gets targeted four times or something you know Stefan Diggs only gets targeted once and a half mm-hmm. and uh, you know just to to go back to yesterday's conversation you watch some of these other games and Kyler Murray is just like creating four extra targets for DeAndre Hopkins with his legs getting outside the pocket and they're, and they're making things happen. And so I think, I think Justin Jefferson can be one of the great improvisational wide receivers in the NFL in due time where a play breaks down and he needs to find a different spot to get open. Like I think he could be brilliant at that going forward, but I don't know how much Kirk cousins in this offense really it's, it's such a timing and like first two and a half seconds offense not a lot happens after the first two and a half seconds. He's usually going to get sacked or have to throw the ball away. Um, so that's my Justin Jefferson positive. Anybody else want some? You, like anybody that. else have any bonus positivity? Well, here hold on, on a second, too, because I, I I think the problem. So so I think that Justin is probably pleased now because he's young and he's just coming into the league. And yes, his team is bad, but he still ha- he still had oh, over the first uh, half of the season an impressive impact. But you know what part of the problem is for a guy like Jefferson long-term or became for Diggs? The problem is I can pretty much tell you my my recollections because they're so small of Cousins' deep shots. And I mean true deep shots. I, I don't mean, I don't mean you know, you, you get behind a, a guy by 8 to 10 yards. Um, because what comes right back to me, and this is a throw that Kirk can make and that Kirk should make more. And but Kirk doesn't trust himself. Is do you recall? I think it was in Ford Field against the Lions last year. Kirk might have been late in the first half. Kirk took a deep shot, and I think Diggs was double covered, but it was a perfect pass, and it dropped right in, and it was really, really nice. And it was the type of play where you said, "Hold on a second here. If you can make that throw, Diggs can go get that ball." And my guess is that Jefferson can too. So, like, I shouldn't be able now to sit here about a year after the fact and recite that as an example because it should be far more commonplace, right? Yeah. And and so those are the type of passes that I don't understand, and I don't know if it's Kirk being afraid to pull the trigger on the ball. I don't know if it's a a philosophy from Kubiak on down. I really can't tell you this, but those should be the type of plays that Jefferson routinely gets to at least try to make. And those are the type of plays that, to go back to 98, Randy Moss routinely made because Cunningham basically said, here's the ball, go get the ball. And Moss a ton of times basically said back to Cunningham, okay, I will. So I think what we would see is Jefferson's um, skills maximized if Cousins made those throws more often. And they are going to get picked sometimes. But I think the perfect pass is either – the intended target gets the ball or it falls for an incompletion. But I do have a problem with the fact that I can sit here now a year later and tell you about that one play because I don't think it's done nearly consistently enough. And this is 2020. That type of pass should not be a, 
holy cow, Kirk made that pass. That type of pass should should be like in every couple games. Yeah. Yeah. Football. Hey, we're going to get back to the show in just a second, but a quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is here to help business owners. And they've been uh, they've been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over a hundred years during pandemic periods and non pandemic periods. It really just helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. And remember, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. That's so, a pass he makes. as you were as you were talking, I was just curious. I, I went to Pro Football Focus, and I was curious, like, how often are the Vikings a throwing the ball re- relative to the rest of the league, and how often are they throwing deep passes? Well, the answer to the first question is the Vikings have thrown the second fewest passes of any team in the NFL this year, uh, only above Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. So they've thrown 175 passes this year, and the Cowboys have thrown. 312 at the top of the list, for example. <laughs> okay. And what's kind of funny about that is the Vikings have been trailing in a lot of games too, or, or they're in at least in, in close games and they're still deciding to, uh, to run the ball more often than, uh, than other teams would. Now they also had the first couple games where they just didn't possess the ball and run very many plays period. Yeah. So that's a thing. So they've thrown the second fewest amount of passes, but Kirk cousins, as a deep pass is defined on pro football focus as a pass targeted 20 yards through the air or more downfield, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that checks the box that you're talking about. Yeah, it does. Because I think you're talking way. about more like 30, 40 yards down the field yes. and you have a guy one on one. So this doesn't tell that whole story. But yes. Kirk Cousins has the highest percentage of deep passes that travel 20 yards in the air or more so far this season. Um, and he has. Uh, five touchdowns and four picks on those throws. So that's your, but, but I, it would be nice to also see like a really deep ball number. Like how often are you just like letting a Justin Jefferson or a Stefan Diggs run underneath one for 40 yards and, and take advantage. And, um, and I don't have that in front of me, but, but they are like, they are at least driving the ball down the field, 20, 25 yards it feels more like, often than other teams. It feels like a lot of those though, go, go to one guy, Adam Thielen. And there's a difference to me between the Thielen pass and the Jefferson pass, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Th- Thielen pass, you drive, you drive that ball twenty yards downfield, and he goes up and makes the catch. And look, he's he's very good. Um, the Jefferson play is the type of explosive play that changes games, and that's the type of play that Diggs could make as well. And it feels like the type of pass that Cousins, without a doubt, I mean, the one thing that Kirk has for sure, right? No debate, arm strength. Mm-hmm. He's got the arm, and I'm talking about basically. The thing that drives me nuts is this, and it will to my dying day about this stupid game, and it doesn't matter. The end of the Titans game, okay, which was not the end, but it, it was as Kirk was was um, absolutely losing his composure. His last pass of that game was a Hail Mary ball to Thielen. That pass has to go to Jefferson. Like Justin Jefferson was put on this earth by God to make that play. <laughs> so I... I it's amazing how in tune Judd is with the actual statistics sometimes. Like, cause you're like, this is your eye test. You're just saying, like, I feel like Thielen yeah. sees more. So you're right. Uh, Adam Thielen has, of, of the deep passes that Kirk Cousins has thrown, Adam Thielen has seen 14 of them, and Justin Jefferson has seen only 10 of them. 
And I would say at the very least, I'd love to see that flipped, if not more like maybe even more like Justin Jefferson getting twice as more as Adam Thielen in those spots. Uh-huh. So that's that's really interesting. Here's another just random thought for you, because we're talking about Stefan Diggs. Like Stefan Diggs is exploding in Buffalo, and we've barely even noticed or talked about it because we don't really miss him. Like they got a haul of draft picks back and they essentially just straight up replaced him with an equal. I think Justin Jefferson, especially after his rookie year, is just going to flat out either be as good or better than Stefan Diggs. And so good on the Vikings. Can you imagine how things would have been different in the Dante Culpepper era? If when the Vikings traded Randy Moss, instead of getting Troy Williamson, if they had drafted a Justin Jefferson equivalent in two, if we're going into the 2005 season, right? Mm. And then that player is a is a let's say he's a top five wide receiver in the NFL. If mm-hmm. they hit just the way that they hit on this draft pick, if they would have hit 15 years ago and Brett Favre would have had that guy in 2009 emerging into like his fifth year in the NFL as an absolute beast of a wide receiver. Sometimes the timing on these are like I'm glad that they hit on Justin Jefferson now, but boy, they could have used him when they whiffed on a couple of these other wide receivers throughout the last like 15 well, years. Troy, man? <laughs> Troy was really fast. You just couldn't catch the football. I mean, think about think about like a fourth or fifth year mature in his prime version of Justin Jefferson in 2009 with Brett Favre at quarterback. You know, maybe they got Sidney Rice as a secondary receiver and, and maybe they still have Percy Harvard or something. That's where my mind went. Like, man, the Vikings have whiffed on a lot of these guys. They nailed this one. And it's uh, and it's great, but yeah, nice pull on that deep passing. Thank you very much. Adam Thielen has actually seen the. uh, This is turning into a nerd football segment now, but Adam Thielen has now seen the the fourth. I'm sorry, the third most deep passes of any wide receiver in the NFL this year, which is ridiculous. Look, his he's really good. I don't want people to say, "Well, Judd thinks he sucks." No, he doesn't. He's really, really good. So let me make that clear, okay? But but his skill set. It should not be uh, tied to that statistic. Like his skill set is catch the 15 yard pass. That's awesome. The 10 yard pass. Like he can do a lot of good and, and the occasional deep ball. Absolutely. But I want my, I want the defense opposing me, Phil, I want them thinking at every snap, if there's going to be a potential significant play down the field, I want them worried about one guy, Justin Jefferson. I don't want them thinking that 19 and that might open up Thielen to do good things. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but it just drives me crazy. And cousins, I mean, I don't want want to turn this back into a bash Kirk, but cousins, cousins, (laughs) this is purple positivity Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. But tread lightly, but cousins reminds me of the high school quarterback. Who's got his friend. And then look, he's got this guy who's really good too, but, but, I'm buddies with my my friend AT, and so I've got to get him the ball. And no, you don't. Um, there, there's just so there, the frustrating thing is. In fact, you know what? I'm going to turn it into a positive. That's what I'm going to do right now. Look at this. This is this is great. There, the offensive line has issues, but the reality is, if this is done right, this offense has some still to this day some really nice components mm-hmm. who I think, if used correctly, and, and you can't put this all on Kubiak. Um, if the quarterback had the ability to use the offensive assets or components that he has correctly, I think you've you've got a good chance from day one. Yeah. Un- un- unfortunately, unfortunately, at that one spot, there without a doubt, I think has been regression, which has hurt them. But like, if you think about the Delvins of the world and the Thielens and the Jeffersons, and 
Irv Smith again. Irv Smith, I'm sorry, but for everyone who, who says, well, Irv ran some wrong routes and stuff, okay, he's learning, all right? But I'm not bailing on Irv Bleep and Smith yet. If you think about the skill position players that they, if they utilized them correctly and gave opposing defenses more to think about, about how they're going to be used potentially creatively, I'll go positive. I think you got something. Yeah, I'll give I'll give you another one here that and and this just sort of puts a stamp on your theory that Justin Jefferson just needs to be more involved on deep passes. Like it's just the evidence is in front of you. So Justin Jefferson, among players who have been targeted at least five times on deep passes this year, has caught the highest percentage of those passes. He's caught eight wow. of the ten. So he so he's the most reliable. It's small sample sizes, but. He's That's the most reliable when you throw a deep pass. He's going to catch the most of them. And he has the second most yards on deep pass attempts in the NFL behind only DK Metcalf. And that list includes DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore. Three pretty damn good young wide receivers. Wow. He's, I mean, he is absolutely legitimate. And, and the Vikings should probably shift from Adam Thielen being the number one and Jefferson being like the number two guy that's on the rise to just flat out Justin Jefferson should be targeted more than anybody in every game. And Thielen is still great too, mm-hmm. but he's Helps not him. as dynamic as Justin Jefferson is. So Absolutely. Hey, that was pretty good. That was, that was good. Little, little purple positivity on this Thursday in the middle of a one and five. Except season. for Declan. You, Declan, you don't want to look oh. over great. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just, just, this year. Just, just this one year. How, how great is going to see James Lynch sacking Aaron Rodgers? That sounds great to me. Actually, Declan got hammered by somebody in the YouTube comments yesterday oh, for saying still why? that the Packers are above the Buccaneers in the power rankings in oh, the pigskin well, packing order. Oh, yeah, everyone's entitled to their wrong opinion. You, well, people love the Buccaneers, man. People love the Buccaneers. They are all yeah. on uh, that, uh, that train right now. Yeah. Must have Look, missed that Declan. Buccaneers-Packers game from a couple weeks ago. Declan, all right? Exchange the loss on Sunday – for a Vikings Trevor Lawrence led sweep over the Packers next season. See, well, I, I, I'm trying to get into Zach. I'm in Zach Wilson mode right now, so I'm looking at more like six to seven in, in the draft slot. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to get in Zach Wilson BYU mode. I want Zach Wilson. That's right. where my focus is right job. now. It's your job. My but job. Just, the guy wears a headband, and all of a sudden Declan's like, "Yeah, I mean, get the, head, get the headband, yeah. headband, headband. Let's go. Yeah, great. All right. Never, <laughs> yeah, never showers. Headband. Good idea. <laughs> uh, don't forget Vikings vent line." Back after the bye week, right after this Vikings-Packers game is over on Sunday, and you can find it live on Purple Daily Podcast YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. And we will see you guys. Courtney Cronin joins the show tomorrow, and we'll get her takes on the Vikings coming out of the bye. See you guys.